Welcome to Dad, You're Wrong. Sochi, where do we always start? With the basic theories of Dad, You're Wrong. Okay, here we go. There's top four. Top four theories of Dad. One, people worth talking to are worth talking to. Two, this doesn't mean you all always agree. Three, when a conversation gets intense, some folks are overwhelming to talk to. And four, being unable to think of a good argument in the moment doesn't mean you don't have a good argument to make. Well, if that's where we're starting, where are we going this time? This time we do not have a letter per se, but I do have a friend who was talking to me and I, I told him about our podcast and he was like, yeah, you can you can talk about my troubles on the podcast because he kind of came to me for advice and I didn't know exactly where to point him. So so you pointed him at us. Yeah. Or you pointed us at him, which is more terrifying. Yeah. Well, thank you, friend, for contributing to making our show the best show it can be. What should we call anonymous friend? I wanted to go with Pedro Pascal because I was watching videos of him this morning. That seems like a terrible plan. <laughs> a producer suggested S- S- Stephen or Stefan. We can. Do, are you cool with Stephen or Stefan? Yeah. There was an exchange student in my speaking classes in high school, and his name was Stefan. Oh, no, his name was Stefano. And he was from Italy and all of the girls, like he would do anything in class and all of the girls would be like, oh, Stefano. Oh, so the way we react to Legolas. Yeah, he's so dreamy. <sighs> 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 ah, so, dreamy. so dreamy. Those elves. All right. So Steve. Okay. So Steve, Stevie. So my friend in classic millennium form, it, millennium falcon form is caught sort of between jobs right now and his parents continue to give him a ration of shit about this and he has tried to be really polite and be like you know it's really stressful for me to talk about this with you and they give him boomer-esque advice like well why don't you just go hit the pavement and like you know just go into places and hand them your paper resume yeah and uh, basically it got to the point that like he felt like he couldn't have a phone call with them or talk to them without them bringing it up and it was really stressful for him and they kept wanting to like between overly believing that he could get any job and well or Ralph's hiring they kept wanting to like rescue him from being unemployed and like giving him all of this advice and stuff even after he said like I don't want to talk to you about it and so finally he was like you know if you keep talking to me about this I'm going to hang up and I'm not going to talk to you for a while. And so they did and he did. And now he's given them like a a while and he's just sort of frustrated and wondering like, how long should he keep going with this? He wants them, you know, you still love your parents or he does. What is like a reasonable way to build a path back together where he can like, you know, again, trust them to like respect him. And respect his boundaries of not wanting to talk about this. And also respect him in general. That was respect him in general, but I feel like I slurred it. Okay. Uh, You're not going to like my answer. (laughs) Is it don't talk to them ever again, ever? So you and I, we talked about in some of the earlier episodes, and you and I 
often joke about the zeros law of this podcast slash the zeroth law of this podcast is that if the first rule is that people worth talking to are worth talking to, the corollary is that people who are not worth talking to are not worth talking to. And people who don't respect your time or reality are possibly not worth talking to. But based off the statement you made, there are some people who continue to love their family members slash parents despite these situations and would like to have them in their lives if possible. I will approach this topic from the point of view that they genuinely meant well and are just sort of clueless about how to talk about it and that possibly giving them time to cool off gave sufficient time for something to be done and a new paradigm of relationship a new relationship paradigm was reached uh i don't believe this based on your friend's story i think your friend should continue not talking to their parents and that if anything your friend should wait for the parents to reach out and have them commit to making changes and if they don't keep a hard line on that so that they don't get to come back unless they not only commit to changes but continuously follow through with a near zero tolerance policy <laughs> Uh, because they sound like they might be a problem. But as I said, in order for us to have this conversation, because I don't know your friend or their parents, no. we'll approach it from the but they mean well point of view. So, yes. I think most parents do, at least in their own minds, mean well. It's just how they act that out that is sometimes the issue. Yeah, if you don't act well, you don't mean well. You're just lying to yourself. Which is what most people do. I don't know, Zero. I, I do. If you, like, do the things that you say you're going to do. They don't always have to be good things. Sometimes you will say you're going to do a bad thing, and then you will do a bad thing. It's also okay to have jokes sometimes. But, like, if somebody is repeatedly telling you, I'm a good person, but I keep doing awful things, they're just an awful person. I would say that the other thing, especially with parents and siblings and family member, is that it's so much more than like a one dimensional thing. Like if you had, this is really mean to say, but like a purpose friend that was like, you're both in a quilt guild together or you're both in a painting class together or something and you get along in there and then like, okay, so you talk about one thing and you talk about painting and that's it. You know what I mean? And then if they, like, become negative and, like, are always critiquing your work and you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to, like, I'm going to cut off our friendship because it's only one part of my life and it's only one valve of, like, you know, my personhood. Whereas, like, especially with family, parents and siblings, etc., it's like a lot of times they have a lot, so much history and they're tied into so many different parts of things that you can, like, talk about. And so... I think that's maybe this person's frustration is that, well, I don't know, but my experience with my parents is that like, you know, I talk to my parents about more than just my work, for example. And so that's the heart of the desire is that you want to talk about other things and not just this one thing. And so that's the sort of painful thing is that you... Stephen like wants to cut out one topic of 10 topics and doesn't understand why his parents can't just talk about other things you know that his parents like consistently want to be this like hero of getting him this job and like can't see past that into all all of the other aspects 
of him being like a human being. Okay. Well, that has not renewed my faith in the discussion, but <laughs> let me let me address the first point you were making first. So, I would not you already know this, but for the benefit of our listeners, I would not have considered that first person you described a friend. They are at best an acquaintance. My definition of friendship is extremely strict, which you also know. Yeah. So, like I have many more layers between random person I've met on the street person i do things with and friend than other people seem to have particularly growing up in the midwest Mm. so while i understand what you are describing and that it is a sort of thing a lot of people have i don't have a problem cutting out that person or just treating them with distance because i wouldn't have considered them a friend yet anyway they would not have yet met my criteria for friendship well that's why i kind of called them like a purpose friend you know what i mean like a coworker friend? I just call them acquaintance. I have some coworkers who I've become friends with, and then I have people who I just work with, and we get along super well at work, and maybe we do some activities outside of work, but they are not friends. Well. Friend, to me, has a very specific meaning. That's not everyone's meaning, though. Well, we can get into those definitions, like, later. Yeah, I, I wanted to define it to the extent it was necessary for what you were saying. I don't think we have to go any further into it. For the parental front... The question to me that this person needs to ask themselves and perhaps just needs to ask their parents outright is just just ask them, why can't you let this go? If they keep bringing it up and you're not willing to just absolutely cut someone out, you need to understand why this is so important to them. I know that I've had conversations with my parents where what they are concerned about is my well-being and they're trying their best to help and I just have to look at them and tell them that they don't know what they're doing and they cannot help right now or if they can help right now here's how they can help here's what would be useful to me right now and my parents have generally been pretty good about respecting that like my parents have given me a fair share of bad job advice I would not I would not be where I am now had I listened to some of my parents and I'm okay where I am now I could be better but I'm definitely in a better place than a lot of other folks. So part of being a person is knowing when people are giving you bad advice and when they're not being helpful and being able to make your own decisions. But you also have to be able to tell when people are giving you good advice. And some of that is just asking them. So if if you want to talk about. Well, if your friend as a person wants to talk about nine of the 10 other things that establish their life or you know what nine of the 10 things that they think their parents should be able to talk about like their parents they grew up watching science fiction films with their parents and they really just want to talk to their parents about cool science fiction films that are coming out like they really want to say did you see this movie i know it seems like something you would like and they'll say yes and then they can talk about it for an hour and have a good family conversation or sports ball. I don't need more metaphors. I don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> or sports ball. Actually, this is a really good time for the, or the Grammys or the yeah. Oscars. I'm trying to like, make it more widely acceptable because I know you and I grew up watching sci-fi, but not everybody grows up watching sci-fi. Apparently, some people watch sports ball for real. I was going to use a generalized example and not try not to get too detailed into it. But I mean, wait. Is sports ball more relatable than sci-fi these days? I actually think that premise might be flawed. I think there might be more people who are fans of science fiction and fantasy in the modern era than there are, like, who are... Like, also, you can be fans of both. 
You can totally be fans of both. You can. That's true. Especially since like football is just chess, but played with human pieces. So you're basically like a billionaire. All billionaires are bad. You're taking a, a bold stance of never getting us sponsored. Oh, shit. <laughs> we can get sponsored by like Patreon and, and other people. Can that be the show title? A bold stance that will never get us sponsored. This is a good show title. Do you mean the episode title? It can be the episode title. It cannot be the show title. We're not changing dad. You're wrong. That is already a bold stance that will never get us sponsored. <laughs> a bold stance that will never get us sponsored. We'll have to come up with some more. Okay, keep going. I feel like every episode has at least one bold stance that will never. Remember how I talked about chewing people's arms off that one time? Like, we're good. Every episode, we have a bold stance that will never get us sponsored. That could legit be our whole show's name now that you, now that you mention it. I wasn't thinking that. Almost as good. I think let's stick with Dad, you're wrong. Let's go on with the metaphor. And okay, here we go. You want to talk to your parents about the Grammys, Sports Bowl, and Cyberpunk for an hour and a half and not talk about your freaking job. But they're like, no, job is the most important because I don't believe that you can get it without my help. It's like what I think. I don't know. When I was unemployed, my parents were sort of similar. And I... Didn't handle it well back then, which is why I came to the show for updated advice. Older Chi and wizened ancient Zero's advice. I object to both wizened and ancient. I am one of those three things. (laughs) You didn't finish your fucking sentence, though, pal. Because you interrupted me. I'm trying to get us back on track. I'm I'm sorry for interrupting you. All right. So, you and your parents share generic interest 39 image insert here. And while your conversation about generic image 39 insert image here is going on, they keep bringing it back around to your job. And when you ask them about it, it really does depend on what their answer is. We can go over some of the likely answers. In my experience, whether it's parents or other folks who are in a more secure position... Maybe they could be from any generation. You you made the OK Boomer joke, but they could be Gen X. They could even be millennials like us who are just like in a way more stable place. Mm-hmm. Often they think they're they're helping. They, this is what has worked for them. And maybe it's even how they got their current job. This is a very common one in tech where I work because a lot of people get their jobs through networking. Networking is not a thing everyone is good at, and it's super toxic that it's such a big part of this industry but i mean every industry right kind of i mean at least also the film industry oh well that's that's fair i i work in tech i've worked a lot of contract jobs before this and networking has almost nothing to do with contract jobs like you just show up at a place and they're like guess where you're going you don't even really show up anymore so yes there are jobs where networking is not a big deal we can leave it at that This doesn't actually need more extrapolation on it. That's sort of like the Ralph's job you were referencing. You don't generally need a super intense support network. It makes it easier to get a job, but they will generally need people. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily with college degrees. That's a different topic. That's not a shot at people who don't have college degrees. That's a shot at when I was unemployed for 22 months and applying at jobs like that, and they wouldn't take me because I had a college degree. Explicitly told that multiple times. If you're a parent, and you're listening to this episode and you tell your college educated child 
to apply at a service job to tide them over and to make sure that they have an uh, employment record, they will often not get it because the hiring managers for those jobs generally do not hire people anymore with college degrees. Because their turnover is late. Yes, because they know you're looking for another job. Yeah. So it worked for me, therefore it should work for you, is a very common thought process in general. And they may just be mystified and think, well, why isn't it working? Doesn't the world work the same way? And what's worse is when they take that and that's when they start blaming you for not gaming the world hard enough. Because that's a fundamental assumption of you being incompetent. Also, I don't like the idea of gaming the world. Like, I am HO. I don't know about Steven. That's a different... I'll have to ask him about it. But for me, I don't like the idea of gaming the world. Like, you shouldn't have to... I think it would be better if people could respect that, like, if you want to just do, like, a good job at something or just have a job that helps people or do something like that and you don't necessarily want to, like, have to trick your job into hiring you so that you can have this job. You know what I mean? I mean, I think it would be better if we all stopped relying on economic systems invented by overwhelmingly powerful rich people four, five, 100, 200, you know, over the past millennia and instead move to the entirely possible post-scarcity economic society we could support on the globe right now. So, yes, in which case you don't have to game the system because the system already provides for all of your basic needs and allows you to have a fulfilling life anyway. But that is a personal opinion and also not the way the world works. The world requires you to game it right now. I could hear a thousand moms and aunts and grandparents being like, but that's not how the world works right now. I mean, it may never be how the world works, though some of us are trying. That's not going to change overnight. And gaming the system will not necessarily work. You actually make a really good point that gaming the system only works if you are good at gaming the system. Which most people are not. No, I'm not. And the people who are, are not even necessarily good at it. They just have a lot of privilege. And privilege has shifted in a, a lot of ways positive way over the past 30 years. And we can talk about the horrible social effects of some of the ways privilege is shifting. But a lot of the techniques that used to get you work don't get you work anymore. Like hitting the pavement. And that scares a lot of older generations because if they're not already retired, if they lose their job, they have to go into that same market and they're even less equipped to deal with it. So some of those folks, again, I don't know Steve, Steve's parents, Steven's parents may be the bravest people on earth, or they might be terrified that they don't understand the job market. And they're really hoping Steven gets a job on their advice. Cause it's all they know. Mm. If Steven can't get a job with this advice and they lose their job, they're doomed. I hadn't thought about that. Okay, so I found my notes after I had just talked to Steven. So here is the bullet points. One, they say that they're just trying to help. Two, just hit the pavement. Three, don't understand why Steven doesn't want to talk about it, even after he says that he explained about it, like to the best that he could. And four, college was so expensive, push your degree, which I think that we kind of already covered one and four. Basically, I feel like so many people have a college degree. I guess 
for me, a couple of my coworkers do not, but I also work in operations and you don't necessarily like have to have a college degree to like get a job in operations, which is really fortunate. I really like that. And we did kind of already talk about a lot of people say that they're just trying to help. A big part of being helpful is respecting the person you're attempting to help. And a lot of people don't understand that because they believe that being helpful is about making themselves feel better. That's a cultural thing. So you can't always overcome it in every family. But it is good to remind yourself when people say they are trying to help that being helpful means helping the other person. Mm. If someone is not helping you, they're not being helpful, no matter what they say. Ugh. Which is the new name of our show. Instead of Dad, You're Wrong, we will now be called Not Being Helpful, No Matter What We Say. We're being helpful. We're trying. Well, <laughs> shit. Shit. We're trying to be helpful. People have asked for our help, and we're trying. This can confirm all true facts. <laughs> okay, so this is his request. So he's been taking a break from talking to them. This is, I kind of covered this in the, in the opening. Yeah, yeah, but it's good to restate. It's been about 20 minutes. Wants to know how he can tell them why they're boundary breaking because he set up that boundary. Like, I don't want to talk to you about this job hunting and jobs. Yep. Why their boundary breaking hurts him and wants to know what he should lay out to them if they want to be in his life again. So there's a lot of feelings about what we call lines in the sand, right? Okay. On Dad, You're Wrong, we act as if all of these relationships are essentially positive. I've already said my piece about just cutting people out. So when I say this next part, I'm not just advocating purely cutting people out. Okay. I think I even did this to you one time. I think you did. All right. I'll tell that story in a sec. But instead of cutting them out permanently, tell them that if you do this the next time we talk, I'm going to stop talking immediately and I'm not going to talk to you again for a set time period. Mm. Often when people issue ultimatums, they want to go from zero to a hundred right away. <laughs> it's like, if you do this thing, we are never, ever talking again. And that's not always a thing you can keep to, especially if it's like a coworker, right? Like if you're, if you had your coworker, your, your knitting group friend and it's like knitting group friend if you do this thing, I'm never ever talking to you again. And then next week you're talking to them. Yeah. It, I think a lot of people remember that and they think of you as not being serious, even if at the time you meant it. But it's okay not to be a performance car that goes zero to a hundred all the time. <laughs> you can just go like zero to ten. It's it's hard with your parents because some people don't talk to their parents regularly. So I'll actually use your your quilting group. If your quilting group meets regularly, you can say, Hey, if you do this, I'm not talking to you next week. That's a lot easier to keep. Yeah, it's more attainable and it kind of stings too. Well, and it's really actionable. They will, <laughs> your quilting friend will remember this. <laughs> they can look you in the eye even if they forgot because it wasn't that big of a deal to them. It can help people realize that they're a big deal to you. And I, I definitely did something similar to you with this. Do I get to tell it? I want to tell it. Oh, do you want to tell it? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so... A while ago, Zero and I were, I think, also working on a Twitch feed. We were both, like, looking up a lot of articles and, like, doing some research. And do you remember this? Actually, now that you mention it, we worked on Create Utopia six years ago, which actually does match up with my memories. Wow. Our memories do line up. Yeah. 
But it look at what an impact this made on me because I remember this pretty vividly. Your memory is terrible, so I'm actually really impressed. <laughs> Some things, especially if it's a story, I'll remember it like really vividly. That's true. It's just like, I don't know. We'll go into memory in a different time. Um, I can't remember my other examples. Let's go. Go to, <laughs> go to the other one. <laughs> and so we were sending each other articles to like read on like current topics and things like that pretty regularly. And I sent you a cracked article because they have all of the embedded links and things. Yeah. And you basically said like, hey, like don't send this to me. I go down the rabbit hole of all of the little links. And I was like, psh, psh, and I just sent you another one. And then you're like, if you do this again, I'm not going to talk to you for a week. And I was like, I was younger. I was much younger. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is a growing, a growing experience. I was me. only in my late 20s. I was only in my mid 20s. You were in your late 20s, friend. It holds out. I was in my mid 20s. Still old enough to know better. Okay, cool. You know what? As long as we agree on that point, the rest of it is... Just arbitrary number arguing. <laughs> but I still was more brash and less empath- empathetic or sympathetic than I am now. Anyway, I gave less of a fuck. So I was like, ha ha ha, I'm going to send Zero this thing again anyway. And so I did. And then Zero was like, bye. And then <laughs> like ignored me. And I was like, oh, fuck. Zero's pissed at me. And I was like, I'm sorry, Zero. And then I drug other people in and I was like, tell Zero I'm sorry. And then, yeah, you like waited. I think you gave me a break and like talked to me after five days because I like sincerely repented. And then you were like, okay, don't do it again. And I was like, you like begged through intermediaries. (laughs) It was quite intense. I was not. Well, and part of it is that I wasn't actually like pissed at you. You just wanted to make sure that I knew that you would follow through with, like, these threats. And I think that that's something that I have learned from because I have used this technique with other people. And by and large, it does work unless I forget about my threat and then it doesn't work, which has happened. That happened to me and my brother. (laughs) That is a specific problem for you. You you do have a terrible memory. So you might need to write down what promises you've made. At work? We were in a meeting and my coworker was talking about something. We were going over something and I was like, yeah, remember it was this, this order that um, was international and it, it, we couldn't make it work because it was this other carrier and the international tracking doesn't work with them. And my coworker was like, wow, Chi, that's really impressive that you remember that note because you have a really terrible memory. And she, she said it like really nicely, like very <laughs> as nicely as you can tell someone that they have a shit memory. For the listeners at home, I am not just being mean to Chicory. Chicory has the most awful and one of the most awful and inconsistent memories of anyone I know to the point of forgetting things they told me we're a big deal 24 hours ago when I bring them up in a text conversation and being like, how did you know about that? That's a really important thing we need to do. I don't remember this example at all. Anyway, and so then another coworker is like, wow, coworker A, and like laughed at it. And I was like, look, this coworker can laugh at like, be sincere. You don't get to laugh at my terrible memory, coworker B. It was, a, it was dramatic. There was a moment. Anyway, 
uh, the example that I'll give that is, I, I think usually people understand how bad my memory is, is one time, like six months after Christmas, I forgot where I had spent Christmas. <laughs> like that I had spent a week by myself and my husband had gone back to visit his family and I had spent a week by myself. And I was like, Psh, I don't want to go back and like, you know, s- see the cold again. You go and I'll stay here. And my husband was like, Chi, you hated that this last Christmas. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, Chi, that happened this Christmas. <laughs> and it was like, there had just been a blank space for the entirety of Christmas. I still like, I, did I open presents by myself? I don't know. It's gone. Yeah. You also forget scheduling stuff a lot. I set a lot of alarms. That is one of the things that I've gotten better about because I just set multiple alarms and then I label my alarms. Yeah. The era of smartphones is amazing. Do you remember what we were talking about about Steven that got us onto your memory problems? Carrying through with threats. Yeah. And cracked articles. And cracked articles. And remembering. Thank you, producer. This was partially a test for Chi, but thank you, producer, for doing a good job as a producer. That's a very <laughs> responsible producer thing to have done. <laughs> <laughs> I was trolling the co-host, and the producer was being responsible. Producer so was good being job, very producer. nice, very kind. But yes, if you give me a cracked article, I will lose basically a month of doing nothing but like reading all the follow-up articles. Oh, geez. And it's only gotten worse since I've gotten a smartphone. Because that would have been about 2014. And my my solution to this is simply don't go to Cracked. I tried to explain this to Chicory, who did not believe me. And that was what resulted in the story. And you made a sincere promise to change, which is why I ended it early. And I did. And then when I sent you Cracked articles, I would email you just the article and, remo- and unlink everything. Yes. You also ask specifically for permission before sending Cracked articles. <laughs> Yeah. Or like you ask for permission now before sending like vice articles. So you you've really taken it to heart. I forgot which website it was until recently. <laughs> yeah, but I I'm going to say I appreciate you taking that to heart. Like when I talk about people who say they want to be a certain type of person and don't have follow through, I will take this moment from all the memory bashing I was doing. You you have made a sincere attempt at follow through and it is on me. If I made fun of you for asking me about Vice articles instead of remembering that you might not remember the difference between Vice and Cracked, that then becomes me being a bad person. So I always try to take those requests very seriously, even if it takes me a moment sometimes to be like, why wouldn't I be okay with Vice? And I'm like, oh, they're probably thinking of Cracked, and now I appreciate this question. Aww. So, you know, let's, let, me, let me bring up something that Steve, I don't like blaming the victim. So I'm going to try to keep this very brief and like high level. Do be aware of when the people you're talking to are making sincere efforts to change Mm. and understand that you are a person who might make mistakes. And so operating under the idea that Stephen's parents are working in good faith, it is possible that Stephen is the one redirecting the conversation to being unemployed and not realizing it at the time. I do this a lot when I am unemployed. Often people will like, I'm going to go back to my sci-fi example. Cause I think it's a good example. You're going to go out and see a blitz ball game. And 
There, that is a Final Fantasy reference for those who are super nerds, but I also wanted to make it about sports ball. Okay, I totally did not understand what that was, so thank you for explaining. Your parents live in the same town, and they're like, can you come out to the Blitzball game, the matinee game? It's in the middle of the afternoon, and we know you're having a tough time. We'd like you to come out. And and this is something I do a lot when I'm unemployed. I, I have to do a certain amount of job applications this week, or I have an interview that day. They're still being jerks kind of for bringing it up if you've already told them you don't want to talk about it. But if that happens a lot, they might offer some advice and they are genuinely trying to help. So it is good to know what you've been saying in a conversation. Mm. I, again, don't think that's necessarily happening in this case and want to say that that's probably an example that doesn't happen that often. But I do want to acknowledge it as a possibility because when I'm unemployed, I bring up unemployment all the time. My brothers have mentioned I am significantly busier when I am unemployed than when I am employed because I am looking for work. And so it is kind of a part of every conversation I have. And if I was extremely sensitive about people giving me advice and wasn't very good about telling people this help I need specifically, I could see very easily me saying, oh, I can't do this because I'm unemployed. And after having two or three of those in one conversation, the other person being like, well, have you tried this to not be unemployed anymore? Just sort of out of a frustration on their end, possibly, which is not great of them, but maybe they have been trying. Maybe they've been like, do you want to go to a movie? Do you want to go to this sports ball game? Do you want to go to this dance club? Uh, Do you want to go karaoke? I will, I'll pay. And you're like, no, I have to look for work. Like you always have an excuse and it's always related to you being unemployed. Yeah. And that could happen in any situation because it's really on your mind, but you're living with it. It is everything in your world right now because you're worried about getting thrown out of your apartment or whatever. And you're perfectly justified turning that down. But it is some, sometimes you are the one who is circling back around to that topic over and over again. And it would be remiss of us not to bring that up. So I do it. I know other people do it. Be aware of when you're doing it and be aware of your own weaknesses. And that's important. And the example of like she saying, hey, can I send you vice articles? It would be a really dick move on my part to say vice articles. What are you talking about? That was a stupid thing to bring up. Like if I shame Chi over that, (laughs) that's that's on me, not them. Audience can't see it, but I'm I'm doing a sad, frowny face. <laughs> because I was shaming you for nothing? Yeah. I also wasn't shaming you? I know, but... It, uh, this isn't even a I real example. Very, Are I you was, okay? I was very in, in the moment, okay? This is too much empathy. Like, you're at a 12. We need you at a 9. Shit. On the empathy scale. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's also fair. Even after you do get a job... You know, for people to, like, check in on that and if you're still sensitive about that, especially because, especially for parents sometimes, um, because parents have either, like, more senior job or are retired or just have more free cash or anybody that just has a little bit more free cash to sort of, like, forget that being unemployed and having a more, more fear of, like, not making those bills can be not just monetarily consuming, but time consuming. If a friend with a job offers to spot you with a movie ticket or whatever, or going into like a dance club, the thing that they're not realizing is that 
going to that movie is three hours effectively that you can't then spend on looking for a job or that you know if you ha- want to have like a, a a weekend out or you want to I'm just gonna throw my my poor brother under the bus again if you have friends that don't have a nine-to-five job and are always wanting to like go out to like national parks when they're empty on like the weekdays then you know to spend time with you because they love you and it's pretty cheap that you still have to take time off of your job and then you're not getting paid either you're using your days off or you're not getting paid there's a reference that in a primus song really (laughs) yeah it's like weekends don't mean much when you're unemployed except you get to hang out with your working friends (laughs) it's actually one of my favorite lines that album's really good it's also really true, but it's also if you're not an extrovert, if you're not a person who recharges by hanging out with people, all of your social energy might be going to job applications and interview loops. If you work in tech, the last three or four jobs I interviewed for, the interview process was four hours long. So I went in at 9 a.m., And I was doing interviews until 1 p.m. With different people? Yeah. I had to talk to four different people. And before that, I had an hour-long phone screen just to get through the door. Jesus. So that is five hours of my week that I spent just to maybe get a job. And this happened for, like, it's not just one place. This was multiple places I applied for. I don't do programming, but if you do programming, you'll also probably have to do a tech, like a code review or a tech interview which is even more brain taxing. So you legitimately just could not have the energy to go and spend time with people afterwards. And it's not because you don't want to spend time with them, but sitting in an interview room, 10 hour, like four, a four hour interview loop is a long time. It's a lot of energy sitting around at your apartment, waiting to be called for a phone screen is a lot of mental energy. Waiting to hear the follow-up from every job application you send out and every phone screen or whatever you do is a lot of energy. It's just you're sort of constantly tense. And to back off it for a bit, I know we're talking about Steven's situation, which is specifically job-related, but this could be for anything. It's not just jobs where this happens. Like, you said you stayed home over the holidays while your husband went back to the homeland, the true Midwest, the super (laughs) super soldier training hellscape that is Nebraska. Where are the Sardaukar from in Dune? Seleucus Secundus? Yeah, is that what what Nebraska is? That's what Nebraska, yes. I've actually said that almost throughout all of high school. (laughs) Okay, deep cut, back in. Yeah, deep, deep, deep cuts within deep cuts. But I know you can't remember it because you've clearly blocked out the the traumatic experience of being separated from your husband for a whole week. But you are probably thinking of each other when that happens and possibly talking to each other. There's no way for us to know. (laughs) No, I couldn't even look up the phone record anymore. You could talk to your husband. Your husband would probably know. There's two people. But like being apart from people you care about is also very difficult. Yeah. And that can take a lot of mental energy as well, even if people who are nearby, who maybe they're not as good friends or maybe you care about less or maybe their timing's just bad. So there's it's not just job interviews. There's lots of situations where you could be mentally exhausted and not at your best. And 
it's hard for people to react to that because they're reacting to a point of view of you they have. Mm. I know that I was much harder to get along with during the period of time where I was unemployed for 22 months and I'm hard to get along with to begin with. Let me say for the record, when I was unemployed, I was getting over a really terrible job, but I was so happy because I was like really getting into climbing and I was like maybe climbing five, four times a week, four or five times a week. And I was yoked and I was like, oh, and I was, I was, I was stoked. I was really sad. I had to go finally get like my savings ran out and I had to go get a job. I remember you like had, how many pull-ups did you have? You had at least one, right? I had two. I I could do two full pull-ups. Like, all the way down, all the way up to my chin, all the way down. All the way back up, all the way down. Controlled. I mean, that's really difficult. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are like, whatever, just two. But those people probably... I don't know. I'm not going to speak bad about our listeners. You know what? You're great. If you can do two pull-ups, you're impressive. Don't downplay that. If you can do more than two pull-ups, then it's fucking epic. It took me a long time to be able to do two pull-ups. I had never been able to, and then I finally could do it. And now gone. Because of work. Because of work. Because of capitalism. Fuck you, capitalism. You made me lose my (laughs) pull-ups. So, yeah, there's there's lots of reasons people could be mentally exhausted. And when you are mentally exhausted, it's hard to remember what you're doing and how you might be steering conversations in ways you don't want them to go. And it's a lot of work for that other person. And so when we talk about cutting people out of your life for a certain period of time... Sometimes you are doing it because you need that boundary in order to recalibrate yourself. And if nobody is giving you helpful advice, then maybe you just need to be a little bit more isolated for a while because it's in a general sense. There's many specific senses where this isn't true, but one should not consider being alone with oneself bad inherently. For some people, it is very bad. For some people, it's really great. But telling people, hey, I can't talk about this. It doesn't matter why. If this comes up in the conversation, I just have to go. And it's for my own mental health. If they don't understand that, then they really are the problem. But saying, I'll reach out to you again in a couple weeks. Or even just telling them, if I haven't reached out to you in a couple weeks, please reach out to me again. I still probably won't want to talk about this. But I just, I can't be relied upon to do the follow-up. And this might be what Steven needs to do because he's just exhausted by what's going on and needs that time to recalibrate or to like one of the reasons I'm so picky about the friends I have is because I have a really big habit of contracting my circle of friends really sharply if I'm under like certain thresholds of stress and I will talk to those people, but I won't talk to other people and I respect when my friends do this as well. I have people who I haven't talked to in many, many years. And as soon as they reach back out to me, I'll be like, hey, what's up? Because I'm so picky about getting to the friendship in the first place, a couple years of not talking is not going to end that because my criteria was so stiff in the beginning. And you should have that sort of criteria with your family as well. Like, know why you talk to your family. I think that's hard, though. I think that for some people, they don't talk to their family so much because they're friends, but because they have like a familial like responsibility you know what i mean the the viewers can't see my dramatic lean in but i'm going to dramatically lean in okay and maybe this will get louder and distorted you don't (laughs) (laughs) if your family is not capable of being your friends or at least in like the upper level of acquaintances you have no responsibility to hang out with them i don't know i definitely 
Maybe it's a... I think that there's two things here. One, it's definitely not... And I, I'm not trying to make any statements about how you were raised, but that's definitely not how I was raised. And two, I think that that's, there are in different cultures definitely presumptions or assumptions or like unspoken rules of the of the culture that no like there is a responsibility there and that can be like that concept like i feel for that like that's it's it's hard hard to break out for that i think especially for parents that you otherwise you know do get not even get along with but because with okay a little personal with my family we have a saying that I like you and I love you and I have another friend that also has this and when she and her sister were teenagers her sister was not a really nice person and her mom basically broke down and was like you know I'll always love you but I don't like you right now like I need you to like take a step back and so yeah like I don't know if maybe I could pitch that to Steven but that sort of idea that like your parents are still important to you. They want to know that they're still important to you. But they're acting in a way that is basically harming you. Like, bad advice is harmful. It's harmful either because you're going to believe in it and then it's bad. Or because you have to use energy to basically fin that off. But, yeah, bad advice is harmful and when they continue to give you that and continue to like break those boundaries it is harming you and you can like somebody who's harming you but it's not really the best that and you called an abusive relationship (laughs) yeah there's a term for that there's a term for that i was hesitant to use it but yeah you call it right out it is an abusive relationship so yeah you can say that your parents or family members you will love them but you don't like them for this and to like have them take that step back and like really let them know that what they're doing is like wrong and i think that that can go along with that ultimatum of if you keep doing this i'm going to have to cut you up for a week or for a month so at the top of this conversation i did say that I would be operating from the principle that Stephen's parents are saying this in good faith. They genuinely want the best for Stephen and are essentially good parents who are also human. So I, I'm not going to weigh in on whether that this is an abusive relationship because at the top of the episode, and I'll repeat it here, don't talk to those people, cut them out of your life entirely. And I'm not going to weigh in on the cultural boundaries in the specific instance of living in a culture where if you ostracize your family, you will be punished by the culture in a meaningful and extreme way, which does happen in the U S it happens in other countries in a bigger way, but there are definitely people who can't afford to move out of town and live in a town so small that if it gets around that they're the person who doesn't talk to their parents, they're not going to get work anyway. Mm. And it's very hard to move when you don't have money. I don't have a solution for that. There's not really a solution for that except keep existing in like an abusive relationship. And I'm not, I'm not going to give that advice outside of as a pure, like maybe you need to do this to survive. Sometimes life sucks. 
But on the assumption that Steven's parents are not abusive, they're just sort of misguided and clueless, you don't have an inherent obligation to your family. Your family has an inherent obligation to you, especially your parents. Your parents made a choice to have you. You didn't make a choice to have your parents. You make that choice as you get older. And if you choose not to have them, that's because they screwed up. <laughs> you don't owe them anything for existing. I think with the them hurting you, I think that there's definitely ways that people can, like this bad advice, that they're hurting you and they don't realize it. Sort of like me and like the cracked article. I didn't really realize like to what extent it was. Yeah, well, in in that case, we've talked about that. And I would say that that's when you need to make your boundaries very clear and tell people what will happen if they break them and then hold to that unless they make a genuine and consistent show of remorse and make sure that things get worse. And I think that that's the summary for this episode specifically with Steven. Wait, things get worse or things get better? Make sure that things get better. Uh, Sorry, make sure that the punishments you level when you make your ultimatum, when you say I'm going to do a thing, if you don't stop doing this thing, you don't have to go zero to a hundred right at the beginning, but you need to get to a hundred eventually. Mm. If they keep breaking them, I didn't have to go past about like 10 with you because you've shown like genuine remorse and we've never actually had a problem with it since then. If anything, you've gone above and beyond what I expect you to do, which I really appreciate. Not everyone can do that because, like you said, some people do not have a good gauge on how they are being harmful. And if a person does not have a good gauge on how they're being harmful, you have to consider how much you want to keep having that relationship. And if you choose to continue having that relationship, you still need to be willing to put harder boundaries down as they go. And that escalation of boundaries, it can be as gentle or as harsh as you want, but it needs to be a thing that you can actually pull off. And you might even need help from other people in your life making it happen. Like you reached out to the producer when I wasn't talking to you and had the producer say things to me. Uh, I was still getting your text. It wasn't strictly necessary, (laughs) but like. (laughs) I'm kind of dramatic. You are. You and your whole family feeds off of drama. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. (laughs) I'm sorry. But that's the big summary for Steven and people who are in this situation. Whatever it's about, job hunting specifically in this case, if you still want to have a relationship with these people because they still deserve to be in your life, they bring a overall positive impact to your life that you can't necessarily get anywhere else. Or don't want to. And you want them to be part of your life, then you need to set your boundaries on a smaller scale than zero to a hundred But it also needs to be a scale that is noticeable and enforceable. So like I said, if you don't, if you talk to your parents once a month, Stephen, if you're listening, if you talk to your parents once a month, then you need to be able to go two months without talking to them. Saying, I'm not going to talk to you for a day is not meaningful in that situation. Maybe you have to skip an entire holiday. You're having a conversation on the 4th of July and you're like, if you do this during our 4th of July conversation, I'm not going to talk to you on Labor Day. And we're just going to have to wait till Thanksgiving to talk again. That's not ramping up to zero to a hundred. It seems really big compared to the like waiting a week thing we talked about before, Mm -hmm. but things must be done on the scale that is meaningful. 
So you have to understand what a meaningful scale of effective response is and do that. And that's very hard when you have other stresses in your life. But cutting someone out entirely isn't always the answer. As much as I often advocate for it in this show, some people do bring things to your life that are uniquely them and have great value to you. So, yeah, at that point, the trick is talk to them, make sure they know what you need and give them the opportunity to address those needs first. So if what you really need instead of advice on how to get a job is just money, if you just need to tell your parents, hey, this is not helping me pay my rent. If you can help me pay my rent, that would be great. But otherwise, we need to talk about something else. And helping me pay my rent still doesn't mean we'll talk about this. We're still going to talk about something else. But if you want to help me, here's what you can do. Yeah. Okay. So then really the first first step is ask why they continue to bring this up. Probable answer is they say that they want to help you. I'm not going to weigh in on the probable answer, but I am going to say that since we're assuming good faith, Ask them why they want to help you and listen to what their answer is and determine whether that is an answer that we, we talked about how help helps the other person. It doesn't make you feel better. It might make you feel better. Sometimes that's a happy side effect. But whatever their answer is, make sure that their answer is helping you, because if you're in a situation that's this stressful, you do need to do a certain amount of prioritizing of yourself. And your friends and the people who love you and care about you should understand that. Mm. Sorry, carry on. I did interrupt you. It's okay. So, yes. Okay. That's a better step two. Step one, ask them why they're continuing to bring this up. Step two, fucking actually listen to what they're saying. <laughs> step three, explain to them that what they're doing is not beneficial to you. Just make sure that it's in the context of what they said they were doing. Okay. Like... Don't substitute your own context. But otherwise, I think you actually nailed it. This is not beneficial to me, parental units. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then set up clear boundaries, which it sounds like Stephen did, which is don't talk to me about this. Like, don't bring it up. And then uh, if you do hear, like, specify the consequences. And then in my experience, people will at least the first time break that <laughs> break that barrier and then follow fucking through with your consequence and then explain to them that if they want this not to happen again that they must commit to changing their behavior some people do have an inherent need to push boundaries and no idea when that's contextually appropriate <laughs> I, I don't know who that could be zero I think that that's a good list. Remember when setting boundaries, you don't have to go to max right away. You can do progressive boundaries until you find the one that works for the person you're talking to. And then just start there next time. Like if it takes, I, I won't talk to you for a year. Sometimes that's what it takes, but often things can be smaller than that. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah. Remember to scale that like, I would say, like, in the example of, like, the weekly quilt guild or the qu weekly, like, crochet meetup or whatever, you know, maybe skip one and then skip two and then skip four and then, you know, exponential until you... Uh, I... Just just to clarify, you shouldn't be skipping if it's a thing you enjoy doing. No, 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 no. I mean, like, skipping talking, obviously. Okay, Not cool, skipping cool, going, sorry. skipping talking, skipping yeah. interacting. I was unclear, okay, so I I'm wanted sorry. to make sure we were clear. Yes, not you skipping, but rather 
one week skipping the normal interaction, friendly interaction, and then they break it again. Two weeks skipping normal interaction. They break it again. You really need to, like, relook at it and say, like, okay, well, this is, like, you know, you've broken this twice now. I want you to understand that, that this is, like, a big deal. And then sort of, like, reiterating that. And then, you know, set up exponentially large old things until you just really do cut them out. And then you're like, well, I continued to try to give you this path that you continued to disregard my personal well-being. You should set up larger things. They don't have to get exponential. It doesn't have to actually be a curve. It can just be a line. <laughs> as long as they get worse. Okay. I just like the word exponential. Yeah. Everybody likes the word exponential. It's not always appropriate. <laughs> you know what, Zero? Maybe things aren't always appropriate. New new show title? No. Okay. That's a bad advice to give on this show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we found, we found Chicory's the dad moment. We oh, did shit. it. We did it, everyone. <laughs> Nailed it. I was thinking, I was initially going to just say that you're not always appropriate. True. Fact. That's accurate. But I felt like that was so obvious that I was like, I gotta do something else. I gotta change it up. And then I just went, it just went south. Why is going south always the bad thing? I actually don't know. You don't have to be different just for the sake of being different. Anyway, I think that that's a good summary of advice for Steven. Uh, Steven, I hope this helps you. We uh, tried to cover situations for other people who may also be in similar situations. And there's lots of situations this could apply to. So I'm glad that we could cover it. And uh, let's roll credits. Chi, how do we close this? We love you, Dad. But you're on. on this episode of Dad You're Wrong. We hope you and those around you are healthy and safe. If you want to connect with us, you can do so on Twitter at Dad You're Wrong or via email dadyourwrong at gmail.com. That's D-A-D-Y-O-U-R-E-W-R-O-N-G. You can also support us by leaving an iTunes review or by joining our Patreon, patreon.com slash dadyourwrong. <laughs>